Castle Biosciences is a proud sponsor of this FRED podcast and its residents with innovative approaches to improving patient care. Together, we help the next generation of physicians push the boundaries of what is possible. Castle Biosciences is transforming the treatment of dermatological cancers, enabling more precise testing for better informed decisions. For more information, visit castletestinfo.com. You're listening to Cutaneous Miscellaneous, the Dermatology Residence Podcast. Welcome to Episode 2 of Cutaneous Miscellaneous. We have a great show for you today with a very special guest. But before we get started here, I wanted to update everyone on something I mentioned in the first episode. I was really excited to announce the opening of my live show, Magic Nick, but I've got some bad news. The show got canceled. What happened was I went to the dress rehearsal, and when I took my shirt off, the producers canceled the show right then and there. It's very disappointing, but at least I still have this show. Anyways, as I said, we've got an amazing show today with an amazing special guest. It's an honor to introduce Dr. Muneeb Shah, who is Chief Dermatology Resident at Campbell University in Wilmington, North Carolina, and who has over 16 million followers on social media, which for perspective is larger than the population of Pennsylvania. So Muneeb, welcome to the show, and how are you? I'm doing well. First of all, thank you for having me on the show. I'm honored. I guess I'm following Dr. Mark Kaufman, which is tough shoes to follow there. And I thought I was here for the Magic Nick show, so I'm a little <laughs> bit disappointed. I was invited under false premises. Um, I'm sorry. I unfortunately, got canceled. But Boneeb, you know, of course, you're following Dr. Mark Kaufman, but you're a Nobel Prize winner. So you're a great <laughs> guest, too. <laughs> uh, just some backstory. Dr. Del Rosso, who was one of our um, speakers, thought Muneeb won the Nobel Prize, which turns out not to be the case. Certainly not the case. Not even close. I made a few TikTok videos, which is far off from winning the Nobel Prize. But it did bring me on the podcast and get me invited out to Real World Dermatology, which, by the way, was an amazing conference. Great. Yeah, we all had a great time there. We all have goals, though, and hopefully Nobel Prize is in my future or your future. But Muneeb, again, it's great to have you here. And I'm so happy you're here because I've got a problem. And the problem is my professional doctor social media profile has only two followers and one of them is my mom. <laughs> so I'd love to get some advice on how to start a professional social media profile, how to make it successful, and once it's successful, how to get those coveted brand partnerships. But before we discuss that, just want to spend a few minutes doing some board review prep. So Muneeb, tell me about your experiences taking the dermatology in-service exams and maybe what resources you found most helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm at the stage where um, I just actually submitted my application to take the applied exam and paid that had hefty fee there. Um, but, you know, I've passed my core exams and I've passed my initial in-service exam there. And the, the resources that I found most helpful were really just sticking up with lectures as we go through. At our residency program, we go through Bologna every year and we restart every year with all those chapters. So staying up on the reading is really helpful. Ali Khan's Review of Dermatology really helpful, concise resource, and probably all that you need uh, to learn for these board examinations that you need to take for your core. Elston's uh, review of dermatopathology is very helpful. And then online resources, I really like DermQ Bank, uh, the Dermin Review Question Bank, and then the AED Question Bank. And I put these into flashcards on a, on a note resource known as Anki, and I just hit those over and over again. It's been really helpful to get me through these exams. That's really great advice. I've heard about Anki. I never really used it. I think when I graduated medical school, a couple of years after me, it started to become popular, but that's a great suggestion. What about dermatopathology? How'd you handle that for these exams? 
Yeah, so I took my dermatopathology core exam. I think Elston's review of dermatopathology really helpful. Um, he also has some online uh, YouTube videos where he goes through each chapter. Um, I, they're pretty unknown. I don't know if a lot of people know about these, but they're really, really helpful. He goes through them with his fellows and his residents, and he just goes through different uh, slides. The thing that I find most helpful in pathology is just looking at as many as you can, and so Path Presenter is very helpful for that. Now, all the slides are digital, so using online online is really helpful compared to using glass slides because the exam is going to be more on the zoom focus and actually just still images from very far back. And so looking at digital images is really helpful because that's what the exam is like. That's great. Yeah, I didn't really realize that, but it makes sense what you say. The more you look at, the better you'll do. Absolutely. Any other advice that you found helpful? Maybe some advice that gave to you about how to do well in these exams? Yeah, I think these exams are stuff you know and are very familiar with. You know, these very minute minutiae that you a lot of times focus on, like the 18 types of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, is not really what they're going after. They're going after the core principles of what they expect you to know as a dermatologist to make you a safe and effective practitioner. And so they're not really testing you on the minutiae that you sometimes are quizzed on by your peers uh, during your residency program. They're really focusing on, on the really important things and looking at as many pictures as possible. So going through your Kodachromes is the majority of the exam. So being able to recognize and then apply maybe a second or third order question to go to diagnosis and then treatment, or then maybe the gene that's causing this thing to occur. Um, there's Dr. Mary Walla, who does a review talking about social media and ways that you can use your social media accounts. Dr. Mary Walla does a board review for residents, um, a lot of times focused on surgery, but on other subjects as well. And that has been very helpful for everyone that's attended it. If you talk to other residents, they'll tell you that those questions are perfect for the board exams. And so if you attend those, you're going to be in really, really good shape for your exams. Good. That's great to know. So really appreciate the information. Uh, I'm definitely going to start studying as soon as we're done here. Uh, but I'd love to find out, Muneeb, about your story about how you started on social media and how you amassed over 16 million followers because every story has a beginning and I want to hear yours. Yeah, the advice I'm going to give today is going to be kind of contrary to how I started out. So I started out middle of the pandemic. You know, our clinic had slowed down, never closed. And TikTok was on the rise. And I discovered TikTok as a consumer. I really enjoyed watching the videos and the creativity that people could come up with in a 15-second video. Now, when I joined the app, there wasn't a lot of education on there. And I put out one educational video kind of for fun more than anything else. And it gained a lot of traction with the public because they started to ask me questions in the comments about acne scars and acne and hyperpigmentation and keratosis pilaris. And I was like, well, if they have these questions, I have these answers and I can make them really simple. 15 second video on how to answer some of these questions. And so I started to create content based on the consumer demand. Um, and unintentionally, it really, really caught traction with people. And then I realized that I had this opportunity to reach millions of people. And I started to take it much more seriously. So when did you get started? How long ago was it about? So I posted my first video on May 1st of 2020. So this is about two years now that I started posting. So it hasn't really been that long. Um, but you know, since I posted, it's been a big time commitment for me ever since then. I, I could imagine. Was this a COVID hobby? Yeah, well, it wasn't really a hobby. You know, I, I started out just as a creative way to put information out there. And 
I realized the opportunity from actually from my program director who a lot, when I say that a lot of people are surprised by that, but it was actually my program director who one day went home and is actually watching some of my TikTok videos with his wife. And he came into clinic the next day and he said, I think you're really onto something. I mean, in clinic, you can maybe reach, you know, anywhere from 20 to 80 patients, depending on how efficient you are in a day. But on, on TikTok, you can reach millions of people with that same information. And so he realized the opportunity to educate. And he said, you know, you really should take this seriously because you have a gift to reach people in a way that's simple for them to understand. And so I had his support from the very beginning. That's great. Well, I need some help, you know, getting started. So how do you start, you know, as a dermatologist on TikTok or on Instagram? And which platform should you start posting on? I know there's many these days. I think it depends on what you're trying to achieve. So the three major platforms, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all have different roles. So Instagram doesn't have a lot of organic reach, meaning that a lot of times the people that follow you are going to be your patients that are in your actual clinic, like they may go home and follow you because they discovered you through your clinic or it's your friends or your family or your peers. And so there's not a lot of organic growth on these platforms, but it's a really good way to build and build trust with your audience that you already have. So if you're a dermatologist and your goal is to show people that you got a really cool new laser in your clinic and that you want people to know what you're capable of doing with it, you know, showing a before and after, showing a video of you using that laser is a really good way to use Instagram. So I think it's a good way to bring people into your office, show them what you're capable of, communicate with your peers, do things like what Dr. Mary Wall is doing, which is educating residents. It's a really good way to build an audience that you are showing what you're capable of. TikTok, on the other hand, is a good platform if you're trying to reach a lot of people. So it's not necessarily the best way to build a community, but it's a really good way if you are relatively unknown um, and you want to get a lot of education out to people in a quick manner. And so if you're trying to go viral, <laughs> the platform to be on is definitely TikTok. And then if you're trying to just educate in a way where you're solving questions for people, so for example, you want to answer questions about how to treat acne and you want people to be able to find that, then YouTube is the best platform because it's actually a search engine. So people are looking for they have questions and they're looking for answers. And so they come on because they say, I have hyperpigmentation, how do I treat it? And so that's how they find it. And so that's how you should make your content to solve questions for people that they often have. Munib, this is such great information that you're giving to our listeners. But let's pause for a moment and hear a word from our sponsor. Castle Biosciences is a proud sponsor of this FRED podcast and its residents with innovative approaches to improving patient care. Together, we help the next generation of physicians push the boundaries of what is possible. Castle Biosciences is transforming the treatment of dermatological cancers, enabling more precise testing for better informed decisions. For more information, visit castletestinfo.com. Now, you mentioned TikTok is only 15-second videos, and YouTube, I guess you could have videos that are hours long. So when you make a video for YouTube, does it have to be a long video? No, not necessarily. You know, I think actually uh, YouTube is putting a priority on shorter form video to compete with TikTok right now. So TikTok actually extended their view times. It, when I got on the platform, it was a minute maximum. It's gone up to three minutes. And then I recently heard they're trying to extend up to 10 minutes, which I don't know how successful that'll be because that's not really how people consume 
information on that platform. But on YouTube, you can go, like you said, up to an hour. They are prioritizing short content right now. Anywhere from three to 10 minutes is actually a decent size video. But this is where you have the opportunity to go into more details because people are actually seeking out that information. So somebody does actually want you to go in the nuances of why you would prefer salicylic acid over benzoyl peroxide um, for a certain type of acne. Like they, they really like that nuance on YouTube where on TikTok, there's really not a lot of room for nuance and it's not something people appreciate. Okay. So let's say I'm getting started and I'm obviously posting about dermatological diseases and dermatological therapies. Um, I want to ask you, because I always like to follow the rules, obviously. Are there rules or what are the rules of me getting on there and promoting a specific FDA approved medication or over-the-counter medication that I enjoy using? So you can do what you want to do at your discretion, at your comfort level. There are certain guidelines from the AMA. One, obviously you have to respect you know, HIPAA. So if you're going to use a patient's image, you absolutely need to have permission. You absolutely need to de-identify that. You can definitely end up in legal trouble there. Now, if you want to talk about you know, your favorite uh, prescription medication or your favorite over-the-counter medication, that's okay. The, the trouble that you run into is when you're being compensated to do something um, that is potentially illegal, which for example, I know we we're gonna talk a little bit about, about the legal and ethical guidelines of being on social media, but one of the things is that you cannot do is that you cannot have a pharmaceutical company pay you to recommend a pharmaceutical prescription to the public. Um, okay. And another thing that you can't do is you can't get a kickback for doing that, right? There's the anti-kickback statute. So they can't say, well, every time you refer somebody to get this particular prescription medication that you'll get you know, $10 back on that. That's illegal. Now, if you get into the over-the-counter space where you're talking about cosmeceuticals that are unregulated, that's a little bit different and that's more up to your discretion and is more of a gray area where there's not actually a lot of oversight there. That's really good information because, again, I'm always worried about following the rules and I don't want to make any mistakes like that. Any other ethical or medical legal issues that we should be aware of when getting started? Well, you know, one of the things is that you are representing your specialty. Um, you're representing your training, you're representing your colleagues, and you're representing yourself. And so what you put out there should be a good representation of all of us. Um, so there's some ethical guidelines there where when you're putting information out there, is it building trust in our profession? You know, that's one of the things that is really important. You know, there's a lot of trust that's put on us. So if you're putting information out there, make sure it's a good representation of you and your specialty. You know, once you put it out there, there's that digital footprint. You know, you can't get it back once it's out in the universe. People can take it and run with it. You can't erase the internet. Exactly. So, you know, just be aware that whatever you put out there, um, people can criticize you. Um, it right. can end up in the news. Um, right. Your video may end up on other people's platforms where they're sharing sure. it. So once it's out there, it's actually out of your control where it goes from there. And so just be thoughtful every time before you hit post. Um, what value is it putting in the world? Is it elevating my pro profession? Is it elevating me um, as a physician? Or is this somehow going to have a negative impact? You know, one of the things I see is that, you know, Sometimes people will criticize their patient interactions. You know, oh, this you know patient complained about something, or I really don't like it when a patient does this, or you know doesn't have good hygiene. But you know that a lot of times you know pulls away from the physician-patient trust that we see, and you'll see that in the comment section where people will say, well, I'm now embarrassed to go into the physician because you're now making fun of them on social media. It may not be a particular patient, but you know everything that you put out there should be a good representation and should build the trust between a dermatologist and the patient. 
That, that's great information. So let's say I'm posting, I'm doing pretty well. I think the question that I have and many of my colleagues have is how do you get these coveted brand partnerships? So I think a lot of people, I actually didn't know that this is a thing <laughs> when I started <laughs> on social media, that you okay. know there was, there was ways to actually monetize your platform. Um, I actually wasn't aware of it. I was just making content to educate. And then eventually companies started to see that I was recommending maybe my favorite product. So initially I would start out and say, hey, you know, if you have dry skin or you have eczema, moisturize within five minutes of getting out of the shower, you know, something we always tell our patients. And people would respond and say, well, what's your favorite moisturizer? And so I'd say, here are my top three favorite moisturizers for dry skin. And I started to create those out of, you know, just honestly my recommendations of what I recommended to my patients and what I had used myself. And then companies start to recognize that, you know, that is actually pushing sales for them and they become interested in working with you. And I had my the first company reach out to me and say, hey, we'd really like to work with you. What is your rate? Um, and so the first partnerships that I had were companies that had found my content for something else organic and then it reached out and wanted to work with me and then at which point you have to decide okay what are you going to charge for that are you going to take this deal is it in line with what you believe in and um, how are they going to own your image are they going to have the image uh, forever in perpetuity which I think you should never say yes to are they going to have it just for a month in usage of this content are they going to be able to boost that content and put ad spend behind it so it shows up as an ad on TV and on YouTube and on Instagram on Snapchat. Uh, so you have to uh, kind of delegate what you want your terms to be once that brand partnership happens. But the first thing that you can do, and I would say, is don't seek out the brand partnerships at first. Just make good content that resonates with people. Brands will start reaching out to you. Now, once you've established a platform and you've built trust with people, then you can actually message the brands um, that you are interested in working with on Instagram and say, hey, I'd love to work with you. Is there any opportunity for partnerships? And then start networking that way. A lot of times you using hashtags of the brands that you're using and recommending. So if you naturally love a brand and you use a hashtag that brand when you post about it, a lot of times brands are actually searching for their own hashtag to see how it's being used. And so if you're doing a really good video on their on one of their products, they may reach out to you and want to work with you. And so a lot of it comes in organically. I really love that advice. Just do good work and the brand partnership will find you. Should you hire somebody to help edit the videos or to help produce content? That's a question that I have for myself. Yeah, a lot of people ask me this question, you know, especially practicing dermatologists, because as a resident, it's actually easier to do this because our opportunity cost is lower. So opportunity cost, you know, I, I, used to, I, I actually have like an associates in, in business. So opportunity cost is basically what it costs, what you give up when you do something, right? So it's not just this thing cost me $5, but it cost me uh, something else I could be doing with my time during that, right? So when you're a practicing board certified physician and you give up a day to create a YouTube video, your opportunity cost is not how much it costs you to shoot the video, it's how much time and money you gave up when you could have been seeing patients From instead. From not being in a clinic. Right. So as a resident, your opportunity cost is much lower. And so you can create content um, and it's you know free of charge. You can basically edit, you know, our salaries aren't very high. And you know, you may spend, you know, 30 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes editing a TikTok video and post it out there, and you're not really losing anything. I think a lot of the attendings are worried about, okay, what am I giving up in order to do this? 
I believe that when you're starting out, you really should edit your own videos and do everything yourself. So you know what your authentic voice sounds like because that's what people want to hear. People want to hear from you as a person, right? And they may not want to hear from me. You know, I may not be relatable to everybody. And so there's always room for somebody who looks like you and sounds like you to really resonate with other people. And so having your authentic voice do it and not having some intern do it initially until your authentic voice is established and then those group you can hand that off to somebody who is going to be able to bring the best representation of you to life I think is really important because you can kind of tell when people have hired people to do their videos because they seem very cookie cutter versus somebody who is actually making and editing the videos themselves and then can then pass it off to somebody once their authentic voice with their audience is established. That's great. Muneeb, it's been such a great episode. I've learned so much. Wish we could talk more, but I've got to go start posting on TikTok. (laughs) So we like to end these episodes with a question that has nothing to do with dermatology. And since this is a very social media focused episode, I want to ask you a question that relates to Instagram. Every time I go on Instagram, I always see my friends posting about their beautiful vacations, whether it's Hawaii, Las Vegas, Florida, wherever. So my question to you, Muneeb, is where's your favorite vacation spot and why? Yeah, so I I like to relax on vacation. Uh, you know, I work really hard in residency, and you know, I Definitely. like to go to places where you're just sitting out uh, in the sun with sunscreen, but relaxing and not doing too much work. But my wife likes history, so we end up going to places where we see a lot of sights in, in history. Um, so my favorite place that I've ever traveled to was probably Morocco. I had a lot of history, but was also very, um, very beautiful weather, very relaxing place to be. Um, and I just got back from Dubai, which was a good blend of both. Uh, there was a lot to do, but there was a lot of relaxation as well. So those would probably be my top two. It's great. I'm actually writing these down right now, my notepad here for future vacations. <laughs> so Maneeb, thanks for chatting with me. And thank you for what you do for dermatology about raising awareness about skin cancer and certain dermatological diseases. We really appreciate that. Thank you for having me on. And of course, thank you to our listeners. If anybody has a comment or an idea for a future episode, please email podcast at fred.health and we'll link that in the show notes. We look forward to having you and hope you tune into the next episode. Castle Biosciences is a proud sponsor of this FRED podcast and its residents with innovative approaches to improving patient care. Together, we help the next generation of physicians push the boundaries of what is possible. Castle Biosciences is transforming the treatment of dermatological cancers, enabling more precise testing for better informed decisions. For more information, visit castletestinfo.com.